Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. Oh, I'm glad you're with me. I'd suffer with proctosigmoiditis if you inflamed me with the idea that you missed this week's show. Nonprofit software vulnerability with Log4j. Happy New Year. There's a software risk gaining attention, and there's a good chance you'll need help diagnosing and repairing it. You don't need to hoard gas, cash, and toilet paper. Just be aware and do the repair. Joshua Peske from Round Table Technology sorts it out. On Tony's Take Two, thank you, Gene and Amy. We're sponsored by Turn Two Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn hyphen two dot co. It's a pleasure to welcome back Joshua Peske. He has spent nearly three decades leading technology change for over a thousand nonprofits. He's especially dedicated to improving cybersecurity in the nonprofit sector and works regularly with at-risk organizations to address digital security challenges. He regularly presents and teaches on topics including technology strategy, cybersecurity, project and change management. You'll find him at Joshua Peske and the company is Roundtable Technology. Joshua, welcome back to Nonprofit Radio. It is an absolute pleasure to be here, Tony. Thank you so much for having me on. Oh, it's, it's my pleasure too. And uh, it's been the three years or some since since uh, 18 NTC when you were Yes, on. yeah. Which uh, was that the, no, that was the second to last in-person NTC. They did the 2019 one and then uh, it's been virtual since, yeah. Second to last, yes. Yeah. And Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you as well. Happy holidays Thank to you, you and much. all of your listeners as well. Thank you. Uh, there are listeners today. Not my listeners. They're ours. <laughs> share and share. That's fair. Absolutely. Yeah. Our listeners. Um, all right. Log4j, a uh, potential security vulnerability that, uh, well, it is a security vulnerability that nonprofits yeah. potentially have. Uh, give us the the, uh, the 30,000 foot view before we dive in. What What is this Log4j? Yeah. So Log4j, first of all, on a technical level, is a Java-based, that means the programming language that it's written in is Java, and it's a logging utility that is used predominantly on servers, on what are known as Apache servers, which run just a huge amount of the things that run on the internet. And this logging utility um, is a little bit of code that developers use to log things that happen on the server and then generate reports or create actions to help them identify bugs or other things that would go on. So that's what Log4j is, and it's very, very widely used. Um, and unfortunately, it was disclosed, I think around December 10th was when it became public knowledge that there's a pretty rough vulnerability in it that allows an attacker to essentially take control of a server that is running log4j in an incredibly simple way. And the organizations like the Center for Information Security um, and the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency or CISA, um, they use this um, 
terminology called CVEs, which is Common Vulnerabilities um, and Exposures, I think. Um, I always forget what that stands for. Um, yeah, Common Vulnerabilities and Exposures, or CVE. And they have ratings of like zero to 10 for how bad it is. So zero is like, this not too bad. 10 is, this is Armageddon. And <laughs> this is a 10. And the oh, reason it's a 10, right. okay, is twofold in the most simple way. One is that it's a, well, actually I'll say three. Okay, there's three reasons. Uh, one is that it the vulnerability is the most the worst thing possible. That the the exploit of the vulnerability allows complete takeover of the system that is exploited. So if your server is running this log4j utility and I can send it a single packet of data, I can take it over and now do anything I want on that system. Okay. So it's really bad. Second is that at a rough estimate. Uh, this is running on something on the order of 3 billion devices um, that are connected to the internet in some way. So it's running on everything. Okay. And the third thing is that doing the exploit is incredibly easy. So a 12-year-old can go download a little bit of code off the internet and automate it and go out and find servers that are running log4j and take them over. So incredibly easy to exploit. And the combination of those three things is why all the security experts around the world started freaking out to varying degrees around uh, December 10th. Okay. And, and CISA calls it a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Um, this is all very interesting. I just saw the movie Don't Look Up with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, Jennifer Adams, Meryl Streep. Someone was just uh, telling you about this movie. I've not seen it yet, but Joshua I've heard mixed yeah, things about I, it. But, yeah, yeah. A, uh, a comet is coming to Earth. Uh, they, this comet is categorized as a planet killer. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the president, Meryl Streep, is uh, not initially focused, you know, and she <laughs> in the first meeting with the, the two folks who have identified this comet and its trajectory right toward Earth, you know, she decides to uh, sit tight and assess. And, and their estimate is that the comet is going to hit Earth within, within six months. And it's a, it's a planet killer. It'll, it'll make us extinct. But she takes a sit, sit tight and assess approach. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So, uh, so I'm, I'm tempted. To, I don't want to. Um, no. But I don't want to, I don't want to be that lackadaisical about it. Um, but I, I want to keep things in perspective, too. So, yeah. Uh, but 10 out of 10, you know, from CISA, that's, that's significant, that, obviously. So, yeah. all right. And thank you for explaining why it's called Log4j and what a logging application is. I've, I've sometimes yeah. looked at logs, and it's just thousands of lines of activity that could be incremental, like every, every couple seconds or something, right. depending on what the, act, what, the, what, the, what the activity is that the log is logging. Um, it, it, it means nothing to me, but... To right. It's essentially a bit of code that runs on servers. Um, there's a really funny XKCD cartoon I can I can send you if you want to include in the show notes. Um, XKCD is a cartoon by a cartoonist named Randall Monroe, and he he created this cartoon like two years ago. That's like a, you know, the entire internet infrastructure, and it's like this giant kind of house of cards thing, you know, that everything's on top of. And then at the very bottom, there's like this one thing that's holding the whole thing up, and it's like this is a a bit of code written for free and maintained for free by some developer in a small town in Nebraska. 
And this was like two or three years ago that he wrote this because he's kind of like noting how so much of the critical infrastructure of the internet are just open source free projects that people maintain in their free time. And this is, this is almost literally that. Like this is just a, a utility that someone made a long time ago that no one pays for, that's free to use, that was useful and everybody used it. And then it was like, oh, this has a vulnerability. We, we now have to fix it and it's everywhere. Send me a link to that uh, to that drawing because I know the yeah, one you're yeah. talking. I know the one you're talking about. I think I saw it on your LinkedIn. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. But I want to include it. I'm going to put it next to your headshot. Absolutely. Our, sure. In our show sure. in our show notes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's time for a break. Turn to communications. Your 2022 communications plan. Lots of projects on there. Lots of writing. You can take the biggest projects off your plate and outsource them. Free up staff time to devote to the work it's not feasible to outsource. The annual report does not need to be done in-house. Just because it always has been doesn't mean it has to be. How about research reports? White papers? This stuff can be outsourced. Do you need help with your writing projects in 2022? Turn to communications. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. Now back to nonprofit software vulnerability with Log4j and Joshua Pesquet. And you also said it's on 3 billion devices now, or potentially. So it's yeah. not just server level. Right. This could well, be this is, at an individual workstation. Yeah. And so, so here's where everybody's going to start panicking, right? Which is they're like, well, if there's we three billion to... devices, go ahead. Yeah. Well, we don't want panic. Don't... Right. 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 So, so people are thinking, oh gosh, I must have one of those devices or, or, more, or more of them in my home. And so the first thing is just, you know, calm down, take a breath. Um, but it, it, the, the most critical things are, you know, from a prioritization standpoint, are things that accept input from the internet. Now, this might be something that non-technical people would, would have difficulty understanding, but the average computer that you're using or the printer in your home most likely is not accepting input from the internet, meaning someone from the internet can't just go and communicate with your printer or your coffee maker or your Amazon Alexa right? Because it's not accepting input from the internet. The way most devices on most networks and in most homes work is it's a kind of one-way invitation traffic rule. So your computer can get data from the internet mm. and in that respect accepts input because the data comes in. But the only way data comes in is when you request it. So when you type google.com in your web browser, your computer is essentially making a request out to the internet and saying, I'd like this information sent to me. And then the internet sends it. But the internet can't on its own. No one out of the internet on their own can send data to your computer without you requesting it. Okay. That's most cases. Most people wouldn't know whether their network or their devices are set up to receive input from the internet or not, but mostly they wouldn't be. They would have to have done something specifically to put themselves in a state where their home devices would be accepting data from the internet. But if you have a server that you're using for any reason in your organization that accepts input from the internet, 
then that server is, if that server has this vulnerability on it, um, by the time you're hearing this podcast, it's probably compromised already. And the, the term that CISA and CIS and other security agencies use is assume compromise. And that's the stance they've had for several weeks now. We're recording this on December 28th. If you're listening to this, let's say January 15th, you know, you're, and you have a server or more servers that are, that are accepting input from the internet that have this vulnerability and you've done nothing about it. At yeah. this point, you would assume compromise. And that means um, you need help. <laughs> you need someone who knows how to go look at your server and look for indications of compromise and remediate them, meaning fix them and undo them so that your server is not compromised. Um, you'll need help at that point. Okay. Let's start with, that. first of all, thank you for being a, a calm voice and, and yeah. explaining things. So you keep yourself out of jargon jail, which I appreciate, uh, yeah. our listeners appreciate. I, I, I hate to slap you into jargon jail. So, but keep me, like, keep me honest on it, Tony. If I, if I say stuff that's like, I, you know, if I'm either being condescending or, you know, <laughs> you know, saying things that you are, are not, you know, the folks aren't going to understand, call me out all the time. I will. Well, condescending, I'll just shut off your mic and we'll just end. Perfect. I, I, I don't. I don't tolerate condescension. Excellent. But uh, jargon—that's recoverable. Okay. Right. Excellent. All right. So let's start with the case. Uh, you know, our listeners are small and mid-sized nonprofits. Let's start with the, the uh, nonprofit that does not have a person devoted to IT, let alone a team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or you know, doesn't have a devoted consultant. Do they need a consultant? Can they? What? What, what should the non-IT affiliated nonprofit do? Sure. So let's say you're, you know, a five to 50 person nonprofit, maybe even up to 100 staff. Okay. And you have no dedicated IT person. Maybe you have an accidental techie. Maybe you have like a, you know, Joe or Jane laptop that helps you out with stuff, you know, as a consultant, or maybe you work with a small managed service provider, um, someone who helps you with your technology. But let's say you don't have any dedicated resource, okay? Whether you'll need help or not depends on whether the directions that I'm going to give you now uh, are th something you could do, or you have someone in your organization who could do this. Okay. So what you would need to do, okay, is I'm going to use two big words and then I'll explain them. Enumerate and remediate. Okay. These are the two most important things to do in order. Enumerate all right, or enumeration is the act of figuring out what are all the things we have that may be vulnerable to this exploit. Okay, so I'll give you a, just a simple example. We know, uh, and there's a, a link we'll give you in the resource because again, CIS has a resource of all of the software applications, products, devices that are known to have a log4j vulnerability in them. So let's say, for example, I'm a typical nonprofit and we're, we have out of our 10 staff, we have five of them that use Tableau desktop because we purchased it from TechSoup and we use Tableau to do some data visualizations. That's a really common application that lots of nonprofits would have running on their desktop. They probably aren't updating it that regularly. It could be an older version. Tableau, which is now owned by Salesforce, so it shows up under Salesforce, is listed in this directory of all the vulnerable applications. Mm -hmm. 
So you need to, if you know that I have Tableau, I need to go to this list. I need to search for Tableau. And then I need to follow the links to see if the versions of Tableau that I have are in fact vulnerable. And if so, what I'm supposed to do about that, which is usually going to be to run some patch that updates it. So you need to do that for everything that you have. So the enumeration part is figuring out what's all the software and devices that we have, our firewalls, our wireless access points, our the operating systems that run on our computers, the software that runs in our computers. And for many organizations, you're already saying, we have no idea about any of those things. We don't have that written down anywhere. We don't, and that's a real problem. And that that problem, you know, when, when you go to best practices about how to govern technology, they'll say, have an inventory, have it current, you know, have it automated so you can just go look online and, right? This is why, this is one of the reasons why that's really important. If you don't have that, this job at this time becomes extremely difficult for you. But if you don't do it, you have no idea what vulnerabilities you have. It's like not going in to get a physical in your doctor's office for 20 years. You know, when you finally do go in, you're probably going to find a bunch of things that you maybe would have wished you found out earlier. All right. So even before we get to remediation, enumeration sounds uh, overwhelming. So if that sounds overwhelming, right. then you need help. Then if there's help. some, if, if you have a, your accidental techie in your organization, you play them that part of this interview and you ask them, could you do that? Apologize for sirens coming by. I don't know how my... Uh, I thought it was incoming missiles. It sounded Yeah. Like <laughs> Sorry about that. Right. Uh, but uh, if that person listens to it and says, yes, I can do that. Give me a day or two. I'm pretty sure I can do that. Hey, then you can do it. If you have them listen to that and they're like, I absolutely can't do that. That sounds totally... Then you need help. Okay. Let's go to remediation then. So yeah. once you've found out where your potential vulnerabilities are... You yep. need to do this patching, it sounds like, in most cases. Exactly. So we're saying, okay, we've got five people running Tableau Desktop. This is the remediation that we need. This is the software that needs to be updated. This is the setting that needs to be changed. I just, whatever the instruction says, I need to go do it and check it off my list. So let's say we have a sonic wall firewall that's in our office network and that's still running and we still have people coming to the office. So we need that to work. I need to go to the CIS for the enumeration piece, um, go see if the model of sonic wall and the software version that we have on it, that's our firewall, is that listed here? If it's not, Yahtzee, we're good. I can check that off the list. If it is listed, now I need to follow the link through and see what is the remediation that I'm supposed to do to fix the vulnerability, right? The enumeration part is I now know it's vulnerable because yeah. it showed up on the list and it, I verified it's, and it's part of why this is hard for non-technical people is, you know, SonicWall has, I don't know, a hundred different firewalls that are out there in the world, maybe more than that. And they're at all different software versions, right? And firmware versions. Firmware is like software that sits on a hardware device. So it's, it's typically called firmware, all right? But it's just like software. You update it just like any other software. And so I need to both see what model of SonicWall I have, the software or form, firmware version that I'm running on it, verify whether that SonicWall and that software version are vulnerable and if so what i need to do to remediate it and i all need right. to do that for everything that i have yeah all right let's just let's just get help you're just going to yeah. have to 
if you don't have someone devoted who can do this, like like, like Joshua said, play it yeah. back for them. If, yeah. if it sounds if it sounds as foreign to them as it as it does to me, uh, you need you you need you need help. You need help. Yeah. All right. And the the urgency yeah. is like if if you have again public internet facing stuff, if you have if you know or think you have a server that accepts input from the internet, right? Again, if you don't understand how to even know that, then you need help. If you have no organization that can help you understand that. But if you do know that, that is by far your top priority. And again, by the time you're listening to this, if you haven't done it, assume compromise. It's it's probably, it's not that it's too late, but it's, but you've probably been compromised already. And so the question is, what do we do from that point? Um, and what you'd like to do is learn about it before you learn about it from a ransomware demand, right? Because what's what you're worried about is that that compromise will eventually be exploited by what what attackers are doing is exploiting systems and then putting in uh, persistence, meaning a way for them to stay connected to the environment once this vulnerability is patched. So if they've done that, once you patch the vulnerability, it doesn't matter because their persistence is already there on the system. Yeah. Right. So the next thing they do is exploit you by doing a ransomware attack or installing crypto miner software on your server or doing any of a dozen other things to leverage the resource that they've taken over. And what you'd like to do is find out that they're there and remove them before they notify you by sending you a ransomware notice. Okay. We need help. It's time for Tony's Take Two. Oh, thank you, Gene Takagi and Amy Sample Ward. Our contributors, you know them. I, I, I barely, I don't even have to say it, right? You know, I, I have to honor them. I have to give them tribute, but I, you don't really need me to introduce them. You, you know that Gene is our legal contributor and that Amy is our technology and social media contributor. You know this. And long-standing to boot, Gene. Gene has been with Nonprofit Radio and me since the first several shows. It was 2010. I kicked off the show in July 2010, and Gene was on very soon after the very first show. Early, early, early days. Uh, Amy Sample Ward joined at the 100th show. So that would have been July of 2012, 50 shows a year. I'm grateful. You know, they take time each time they're coming on. You know, they come up with the topics. We, we exchange messages about them, talk a little bit sometimes, but you know, they're doing the lion's share of the work. And then of course, you know, thinking about how best to explain it and then spending the time to explain it. All valuable for you. All great value for you. So I am grateful to them for so many years of contributing to Nonprofit Radio and helping you, listeners, our listeners. Thank you, Gene. Thank you, Amy. That is Tony's Take Two. We've got barely a buttload more time for nonprofit software vulnerability with Log4j. This week is short. Less time to get aware, 
more time to do the repair. And I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to keep pushing this rhyme until I can't stand to hear it anymore. <laughs> Let's continue. If you have an IT devoted team, then certainly by the time that I'm playing this, that, that team must know that, that otherwise you need to Hopefully. fire your team. And, and get a new team. If you have a, if you have a, a cybersecurity, if you have someone who purports to be a professional information purports, technology provider, right? Whether they are your own staff or whether they are an outsourced provider and they haven't talked to you about Log4j and what they're doing about it, then I don't believe that they're serving you very well. I think that's fair to say. Okay. We'll, we'll leave it at that. We'll let the uh, CEOs and executive directors deal with their CIOs and uh, IT, yeah. IT managers. Okay. Now, I looked at the, uh, the CISA. CISA, again, is the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security yep. Agency. Correct. Um, just for context, that's the, that's the agency that Christopher Krebs came out of in the, the uh, Trump administration and said that 2020 presidential election was the most secure election in, in the nation's history. That's, that's CISA. The cyber which he was summarily fired, but that's a separate. <laughs> he was, yes, he was, he was fired, but he said, yes, I'm trying to stay away from I'm a, huge, I'm a huge fan of his. So uh. okay. this is offered not for political uh, purpose. This is offered for context. Yeah. For context. Um, that is, that is CISA. And they're, they're, I believe uh, part of Homeland security. Yes. They are part of the Homeland security agency. Yes. Uh, and they, you know, they're the ones who said uh, 10 out of 10. And yep. in uh, at a press release, they said, quote, this vulnerability poses a serious, severe risk. They called it a severe risk, end quote. Yep. So you can go there. You can go to CISA.gov and they have a, a page called Apache Log4j Vulnerability Guidance. Yep. So you can search that, CISA.gov. Yep. Apache Log4j Vulnerability Guidance, without yep. me giving you the full URL of the page, just, just search that, and they have a couple of valuable links as well. Absolutely. And, and we have links to all that from our website. So if you want to start at Roundtable, just go to our website, search Log4j. You'll find our, our blog, which we update as we have updates, and that has all the links in it as well. And that is roundtabletechnology.com. Yep. Uh, if you want to follow Joshua, uh, jo- at Joshua Pesque. P-E-S-K-A-Y. Yeah. Although you're better off following at Roundtable IT. My, my, I'm not on social as a rule. Like you're a not. little okay. bit on LinkedIn, but I, I really don't touch Twitter or Facebook really ever. So uh, Twitter or Roundtable's Twitter is at Roundtable IT. Um, and that's a better place to follow. That's where you'll that's where you'll get updates of things. You won't get anything from following me because I don't post to Twitter. Hardly. All right. I think my Hell with Joshua Pesque. Yeah, don't sorry. follow at Joshua Pesque. <laughs> Follow at Roundtable IT. If you're following Joshua Pesque, unfollow. You're wasting. You're you're hurting your follower. It's, uh, your follower following. And uh, and I don't I don't even know if I get notifications if you try to DM me uh, or not on. Yeah. like that. You know, if you want to contact me, it's Joshua at RoundtableTechnology.com. It's very easy. Find me that way. All right. Don't use Twitter. You're hurting your ratios. Unfollow him if you ever yeah. are. Apologies to all you social folks. I'm just not a social guy in that regard. <laughs> No, you sound very sociable otherwise. Just not. Uh, I really not- am. Yeah, in person, yeah. on Zoom, over the phone, incredibly social. Online, um, unfortunately, not so much. Okay, and humble as well. Let's go to something that you have on January 27th. You have a training coming up. 
Tell us about that. Oh my gosh. We have, it's a mouthful, so I'll spit it out. The sixth annual best free one hour cybersecurity awareness training ever. My colleague, Destiny Bowers, who is an absolute uh, delight and also brilliant and who I've worked with for a long time, she and I, uh, six years ago, started doing awareness trainings with the goal of giving nonprofit organizations and small businesses an opportunity to get all of their staff cybersecurity awareness training at least once a year for free in a way that would be easily accessible for them, would be fun, and would give them some incentives to for their staff to attend. So not only is the training free for literally your entire organization to attend, but we offer prizes over the course of our one-hour training. So people have an opportunity to win up to $100. We give out uh, typically a $100 gift card, a $50 gift card, $25 gift card, and then we'll give out other gift cards or, or prizes throughout the training. But at the end, we do a, a quiz that is competitive. And so if you win the quiz, you have an opportunity to win $100 uh, in an Amazon gift card is what we typically give out. And so you can tell your staff, you're, if you're a nonprofit leader, hey, everybody, sign up for this. It's going to be a fun training. Joshua and Destiny will try to make it entertaining, brisk, and enjoyable. And you have an opportunity to win prizes. And if you sign up with your organizational email, you know, uh, Tony at mynonprofit.org, then Roundtable will actually send the organization a list of everybody that attended the training from their organization. So if you have a regulatory requirement that says we have to train our staff, you know, with awareness training once a year, this can actually satisfy that regulatory requirement. If you're in New York, New York Shield Law requires that you provide awareness training to your staff. So you can literally satisfy this regulatory requirement by having all of your staff attend this training, which again is free and not only free, but you can tell your staff, hey, you can even win prizes by attending. Right. Win big prizes, free, epic, best yeah. ever training, yep. more, hu more humility from Joshua Peske. Yeah. Again, the humility, best ever. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah and we say that every year because, of course, every year is is just a little bit better than the previous year. So it continues to be the best ever training until someone comes to us and says, you know, actually, the training you guys did in 2019 was better than this one. So I don't think this was the best ever. But Correct. no one has you would you would have the best you they, they would be saying that you were one upped by yourself. There wouldn't be any other. I, I can't conceive that there could possibly be any other training other than ourselves. I really feel like in this space of best free one hour cybersecurity awareness training, right. I feel like we are really our, our only competition. All right. uh, I hope you know what the word means. There's a nod to uh, there's a nod to Princess Bride. Inconceivable that there could be another uh, another entity offering uh, offer anything offering anything comparable in cybersecurity. All right. So where do we go for this damn thing? It is. Well, I couldn't make it any easier for you. Yes, oh, go it's ahead. very simple. Go ahead. Best dot RTT, as in roundtable technology, dot NYC, as in New York City. Doesn't mean you have to be in New York City to attend. Anywhere in the world, you can attend. So best dot RTT dot NYC. If you go to that URL, you'll go right to our registration page and send it to all your staff. Again, have all of them sign up and you can all compete together and compete for prizes. Have a good time. Get an awareness training. 
and we love doing it. It's sort of our gift to the nonprofit community to try to provide this training and make it fun and accessible for everybody. And we've had so much fun. We, we keep doing it year after year. Is there a video if folks cannot attend on January 27th? If you sign up, as with all things, then a recording will be sent to you the day after. And you can take that recording and you can add it to your learning management system if you have one to you know, onboard your new staff, whatever you want to do. Uh, but of course, you can't win the prizes unless right. you attend the live Not, training. Right. You have to be live. You have you must be uh, must be present to win. Yeah, to win the big prizes in the uh, in the epic uh, best ever cybersecurity training. You'll have to be present on uh, January twenty seventh, twenty twenty two. At what time? It's one p.m. Eastern time. That'll be ten uh, a.m. Pacific time. That'll be noon Central time. If there is anyone out there on Mountain Time, I don't know where you're at in regards to daylight savings. I, I forget if you're on Pacific Time or Central Time now. So you figure that one out if you're on Mountain Time. I'm sorry. I wish I knew. People will know. People will be able to, no. to uh, extrapolate Hopefully. from, uh, from yeah. the Eastern Time uh, disclosure yeah. of, of uh, 1 p.m. Eastern. And, and we've even had organizations re, who, who we know nothing about, you know, who aren't clients of ours reach out to us and say, you know, they found it on YouTube or whatever. And they've said, can we, you know, use this recording for our onboarding package for our own staff? Or do we need to pay you or do you have rights or anything? And then I'll answer that question now for all of your listeners, Tony, go ahead. It's free. Take it. It's yours. So if you sign up, you don't attend live, you grab the recording, you chop it up and use it to onboard your new staff for the next year. That makes us super happy. Do it with our blessing. Don't even have to tell us thank you. Okay. Uh, we've now spent as much time talking about the uh, January 27th training as we have <laughs> the subject of the, uh, of the podcast sure. and the video, which is the Log4j vulnerability for nonprofits. He's Joshua Peske. Don't follow him. So I'm not going to repeat his uh, his Twitter handle, but follow Roundtable at Roundtable IT. The company is uh, at roundtabletechnology.com. He is Joshua Peske. Thank you very much, Joshua. Tony, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. My pleasure as well. Thanks so much. Next week, legal outlook for 2022 with our Gene Takagi. If you're not aware, you cannot repair. <laughs> if you missed any part of this week's show, I beseech you. Find it at TonyMartinetti.com. We're sponsored by Turn2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. That's the end of the aware repair rhyme scheme. It, it, it's now ended. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy. And this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with me next week for Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great. <laughs>